The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Get ready to talk some baseball. Welcome to the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Layritz. From spring training to the World Series and beyond to the postseason, Jim and his guests tell it like it is and have all of the bases covered. Now, here's Jim Layritz. Hey, welcome everyone. And another edition of Talking Baseball, of course, the King's Corner with Jim Layritz. And I am now live from Vero Beach, Florida, where uh, we are a part of the Yankee and Dodger fantasy camp. Um, of course, this is the week that all the all the men come down and relive their fantasies to uh, to be professional athletes for a week. They play a couple games a day, uh, and the Yankee players and the Yankee Dodger players, uh, former players, are their instructors for the week. So I'm down here this week with a bunch of big names, of course, from the Yankees. We have uh, Bob Turley. We have Don Larson. Roy White, um, Dennis Rasmussen, uh, Steve Whitaker, a couple other guys, Goose Gossage, of course, who is going to be joining me here in just a minute uh, as my first guest. And, of course, the Dodgers have some of their their star players and Ron Say, um, Bill Russell, Rick Monday, and another guy that will be joining me in the second half will be Jerry Royce, who uh, is also an instructor here and got a new book coming out, so we're going to talk a little bit to him about what he saw other than that, uh, yeah, right now in baseball, there's not much news going on. Uh, you know, the, the owners and uh, GM meetings are this week, and uh, of course, we will be waiting till December, uh, December 5th through the 8th, when the big meetings start, when everything starts to get rolling again, and the free agents start signing and the trades start happening once we get to Dallas, Texas, here December 5th through the 8th. But uh, you know, this this is what we're doing. Uh, you know, I've been staying busy as much as I can, and of course, like I said, here in Vero Beach, Florida, we've had beautiful weather all week. We have been working out our campers, and uh, you know, the, un- the, only, uh, the only thing that we try to do when we are- have these camps is we try to avoid uh, injuries, and uh, of course, these guys are anywhere from basically 25 to 45 to 75 years old. As a matter of fact, one of the Dodger campers was was catching me the other day when I was pitching for our team. He is 81 years old, so uh, quite 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 an interesting week uh, for, for us down here at the camp. And um, like I said, it's just it's, it's a great opportunity for these guys to number one come down here and and relive some of their days playing baseball, but then also hanging out with the with the legends as they call us uh, down here. Uh, what we do every night is we go out to dinner. Uh, we tell our stories, we hang out with these guys, and just a really great week for these guys who have you know, been coming to this. This camp, in particular for the Yankees, is a camp that was originally started by Mickey Mantle, uh, and Mickey was, you know, and, and uh, Mickey ran this camp for quite a few years, and now it is run by Moose Scouring, uh, 
uh, Moose Cowan, and, and he brings in some of the guys. And this year, uh, we decided to join with the Dodgers. And uh, it's been quite an interesting camp. You know, one of the one of the things that's funny talking to Steve Yeager and a couple of the Dodger guys is, you know, it's always fun when you you can have the the Yankee Dodger type of uh, competition going against each other. And we've had a pretty good camp so far. So uh, this is what we're doing. This is what we're busy doing. And uh, I would like to possibly, if he's on the line, bring in my first guest. And my first guest is, of course, Hall of Famer. Uh, 2008 induction Hall of Famer, uh, Goose Gossage. Goose, you there? Hey, Jimmy. Yep, I'm hey. right here, buddy. Yeah, how you doing, man? Now, listen, it's a little strange we're doing this uh, room to room, uh, but we couldn't, couldn't couldn't get two sets of headphones in here, so we're doing this over the phone. But, uh, Goose, I want to welcome you to the show. Of course, I did tell the readers, you know, the, the listeners, that uh, we are doing this live from the Fantasy Camp. And uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing this week here at the camp. Well, uh, signing a lot of autographs, and as you said earlier, Jimmy, just uh, mingling, and and uh, I'm kind of roving around. I I I uh, got here a little bit late, and uh, because I had other commitments, but just hanging out with the campers, and you know, sharing some stories with us, and making those guys, uh, you know, uh, what they try to do in these fantasy camps is create a big league atmosphere of what it must be like to put on their favorite uniform, the number of their favorite player. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's a great experience. Some of these guys have, I've heard guys that, with the Dodgers and the Yankees that have been to like 19, 20, 25, uh, fantasy camps over the years. So, uh, they're, they're hugely popular. Uh, and we just, we, as we, as the legends, as you call us, uh, try to give them the big league experience and, you know, we have a lot of fun at their expense, and, you know, a lot of guys, uh, you know, uh, coming up with leg injuries and, you know, weekend warriors, and it's it's pretty difficult on them, but, man, they really uh, uh, get into this and, and have a great time. So, you know, being a part of this and, and sharing some experiences uh, with them, uh, our experiences is, uh, is, is a great experience for us, too. I guess tell us a little bit about uh, we you've done a ton of these camps, and I know I know one thing I I always laugh when we're here doing these things about just some of the things that we see happen here and uh, things that you've never seen on a baseball field before obviously so tell us a little bit have you seen anything this week that you can that you well, want to share that you can <laughs> well Jimmy always you know we see a lot of uh, uh, routine plays turned into spectacular plays you know. <laughs> And, uh, you know, balls misjudged, uh, fly balls and ground balls. And, uh, gosh, do you see guys blowing, uh, uh, hamstrings out? And I've seen a couple of guys over the years even, uh, break shoulders, uh, uh, throwing the ball. And, uh, so it runs the gauntlet from, for injuries. But, you know, these guys are gamers. And like I said, you know, there's so many repeat guys that come back year after year and, and just for the experience of doing it. And, uh, um, it's fun. We, we have a lot of laughs, um, kind of at their expense and they even, you know, learn to laugh at themselves, but you know, that game kicks in, man. And, and the old game face comes on and, and these guys, you know, uh, the old adrenaline and, you know, our bodies, our minds, uh, you know, our, our, our 10, 15 years old, but our bodies just don't react the way our minds would like it to. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's really a lot of fun and, and, uh, we have a great time. 
it's a great time for me, and I'm 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 sure it's for you, Jimmy uh, Moose Gowron and and Tony Kubek and uh, Don Larson and uh, you know Ron Gidry and and guys that uh, that I looked up to. Uh, you know, not Gidry. I pitched with Gidry or played with Gidry, and but uh, you know those old Yankees. I grew up out in Colorado, a great Yankee fan, and and then being with these guys in the clubhouse, Jake Gibbs. Uh, uh, Cleve Boyer used to be here when he was alive. And, uh, you know, we miss Hank Bauer, who, uh, uh co, uh, captained this team with, uh, with Moose Gowron. So seeing these guys and, and, and getting to know them, Bobby, you know, Blanchard, Johnny Blanchard, uh, guys that we miss, Tommy Trish, uh, Bobby Richardson, uh, you know, just on down the list of, uh, Bob Turley, um, you know, just on down the list of of great Yankees and being being in a locker room with these guys is really a lot of fun, and getting to know them is really very special. Yeah, it's just one of those things. I, I love it because you know, every time, every year, even if you haven't seen the guys for a while or spoke to them, you know what? You know that every year at this time, you're gonna you know you're gonna reunite a little bit and you know, see how everybody's doing. And of course, like you said, every year, unfortunately, we, we lose some guys and guys get a little older and. Uh, it's one of those things that we, uh, we 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 try to enjoy as much time as we can uh, that we, we get we get a chance to see each other. Now, tell me a little bit about what happened with you uh, this year. You can't participate. Uh, you had a little hunting accident, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I took a header uh, down a mountain up in Colorado elk hunting, and I kind of I think I bruised or or sprained my my pitching shoulder, and I threw a million baseballs, Jimmy, and. And then I do this thing on a mountain top and uh, the side of a mountain up in Colorado elk hunting, and it's just part of the you know the the, the hazards of of hunting in that rugged country. And I broke a couple of ribs, and and uh, you know it's unfortunate, but I'll heal up and and uh, uh, hopefully my shoulder. I'd love to pitch down here, and I'd love to pitch. I love to throw baseballs. I go to spring training with the Yanks as a as a special instructor and or I have the last uh, uh, 12, 15 years. So hopefully I'll get down there and hopefully my shoulder will clear up. But, um, you know, getting the throw to these guys and, and pitch a little bit, I knock a few of them down, Jimmy, just to keep them honest and <laughs> give, them the real, give them the real flavor of, of what it's like to face Goose Gossage, you know. And, you know, there's an old saying, Jimmy, we're still throwing as hard. It just ain't going as fast. So, uh, right. but, uh, I'm on the mend. I'll be okay. And, and, uh, but being down here is very special. Well, Chris, let's, let's talk a little bit about your career. Let's talk about some of the things that you accomplished during those years. And since you made your major league debut in 1972, which, uh, you know, was, was, was some time ago. And of course I know towards the very end of your career, uh, in 1994, when you were in Seattle, I got a chance to come face you a couple of times, but tell me a little bit about number one, just, you know, you, you pitched over a thousand two games. Uh, you were the type. You had 310 saves in your career, but you were the type of reliever that's a little bit different than nowadays. That most people don't understand is you, know, you came in the game when there was two or three innings to pitch. Uh, and tell us a little bit about how you see such a difference in, in what today's relief pitcher is like. Well, you know, I, I firsthand, Jimmy, saw the evolution of the bullpen when I broke in in 1972, as you mentioned. Uh, um, you know, I was put immediately in the bullpen. Well, you didn't want to be in the bullpen. It was a junk pile down there where old starters went. And, and from there, it just started to evolve. Uh, it just started to, 
be a part of the of your team that uh, you you weren't going to win without a great bullpen. And uh, you know, certainly we were workhorses back in the day. I logged a lot of innings, a lot of tough innings coming in, maybe in the sixth or seventh inning with inherited runners maybe bases loaded many times in a situation where you couldn't even allow the ball to be put in play in the sixth or seventh inning and then you got out of that jam or tried to get out of that jam and if and and you got out of that jam and then had to pitch the the seventh eighth or ninth or the eighth or ninth and the eighth or ninth inning and uh I think today the way it's evolved I think uh now more of that workload has been spread out of now you see how important uh setup guys are to the success of your team and a great bullpen today really goes a long way uh, toward a world championship, as you saw in the World Series this year and the playoffs. So I saw that total evolution. You know, when I, Jimmy, when I was trying, or not trying to get into the Hall of Fame, but when I was eligible, you have to wait five years after your last uh, time that you played, and then I waited nine more years. And the only urgency that I ever had to get into the Hall of Fame uh, was that my mom was uh, 93 years old, and she said, boy, I hope I'm still around, uh, you know, if you go into the Hall of Fame. And, you know, that was kind of an urgency thing on my part. My dad didn't get to see me play in the big leagues, um, you know, upon graduating out of high school. And and uh, then my mom was my biggest fan throughout my whole career. And, and um, when she said that, you know, it was, uh, you know, that urgency was kind of there. And then she passed two years before I finally got in and, and, um, you know, um, all I tried to ever do, Jimmy was point out the difference of, of how the role of the relief pitcher, these guys are, has changed. And these guys are so dominant basically in that one inning role that they kind of forgot what we used to do. And all I would try to do is set the record straight and remember, look, you know, I don't just pitch one inning. I didn't get to start out the ninth inning with nobody on as these guys do today. And, these guys are so dominant, as I said, in that one-inning role that they kind of forgot what we used to do. But no one really can can experience what I experienced. You know, like when 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 the role of the relief pitchers started to first come around and and be a huge part of the success of your team. Uh, like I said, it was it was a junk pile down there where old starters went, and then it, it evolved into what it has today. And uh, um, you know, uh, you don't win a world championship without a great bullpen today, that's for sure. No, that's definitely for sure. And, of course, world championships, you had one in 1978 uh, with the Yankees. Tell us a little bit about that and, and, and what what experience you had throughout that 1978 World Series. Well, Jimmy, I can tell you that uh, uh, growing up out in Colorado, we didn't get that much exposure to baseball. We didn't have the Colorado Rockies. Uh, Denver was a farm system uh, years ago. Uh, with the with the uh, Yankees and well, my parents were huge Yankee fans. I was a huge Yankee fan, and and um, you know just getting the opportunity upon graduating out of high school, I was drafted out of high school by the Chicago White Sox. Played there five years, uh, got traded to Pittsburgh. Played there one year in 1977, and then uh, was became a free agent. And then Mr. Steinbrenner signed me to the contract that uh, I played six years with the Yankees and. Um, you know, I played nine uh, with nine different teams over a span of 22 years, Jimmy. And all I wanted to do when I started out on that journey of playing professional baseball upon graduating out of high school in 1970 uh, was 
put a big league uniform on one time, you know, Jim, and, and that one time turned into 22 years, and I still have to pinch myself that I had that kind of career. So uh, to win a world championship in 78 with the Yanks was so special. You know, Jimmy, uh, you've been a part of a world championship team, and uh, there is no greater feeling than than spending that off season and then showing up in spring training as world champs and, and then trying to repeat. I, I had the privilege of playing in three World Series, uh, two with the Yankees, one loser, the 81 to the Dodgers. Uh, it still sticks in my craw that we lost that World Series. We should have never lost to the Dodgers, I didn't think, and uh, but it didn't work out for us. We won the first two games, and then they beat us four straight. So, you know, Jimmy, baseball, man, you just never know what the hell is going to happen. And trying to figure – I gave up a long time ago trying to figure – uh, stop trying to figure out what's going to happen in this game because you just never know. As you see, I think this World Series, this past World Series of, of what the Cardinals accomplished, barely making the wild card uh, uh, spot and then going through uh, Milwaukee and, and Philadelphia. Oh, my God. Uh, right. you know, and then to end up winning a world championship is 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 quite a spectacular feat that they pulled off and uh they just got hot at the right time at the end of the season and and um you know and and you get hot at the right time and you know everything's timing Jimmy in this in this game and and in this world and and uh they got great timing they got hot at the right time and and ended up being world champions and with a great uh I thought a great world series with Texas Texas becomes they looked like they were going to win it in the um uh, sixth game and uh, ended up uh, being one pitch away from twice, one pitch, one out away, uh, and one pitch away from from being world champions. And then they they don't close the deal, and and uh, uh, St. Louis ends up beating them in in seven games. But it was a great World Series and quite an accomplishment on the uh, Cardinals, uh, you know, on their on their behalf. Yeah, I know. That's one of the things we talk about when we watch games like that. People don't realize it, it is that one pitch, that one out uh, that, you know, that that you need that, that that could change things completely. And of course, Texas didn't get that done. And you know, I, I was looking at some of your stuff when I when I was getting ready to bring you on today, and I found it pretty amazing that I didn't realize that you recorded the final out in in between division and league series and World Series seven times. You recorded retired the final out. Uh, that, tell me a little bit about that kind of pressure and what kind of pressure that is to, to actually get it done, like we talked about before, that the Texas Rangers couldn't get it done. Well, you know, it's making great pitches in, in opportune times where you've got to make the pitch and get, the, and get that out. And, you know, I was always lucky enough and, and fortunate enough to be able to do that. I always felt that the tougher the situation, Jimmy, the, the better I was. You know, I really shined in situations where – you know, the bases are loaded. I could come in and get two key strikeouts. I, I came into situations in the sixth, seventh innings, uh, many times in the seventh inning with the bases loaded where you couldn't even allow the ball to be put in play or you had a tie game. And where I really shined, Jimmy, and I thought I was at my best was the tougher the situation, the better I was. And I would get those two big strikeouts and maybe a ground ball or a pop-up or maybe strike out the side to get out of that inning and then go on and pitch the eighth and the ninth uh, to complete that, that, that victory or, or that save for myself. And, um, you know, um, I've loved, 
I love the bigger the situation, the tougher the situation. I felt I was at my best in in those situations, and and really that's the name of the game. It separates the men from the boys. And you know how I kept the the, the pressure thing in in perspective, Jimmy is hey. You know, Vietnam was going on at the time, and you know, in the seventies, and and I thought, man, this is a you know, the the pressure of the big leagues kind of gets to you of of winning, you know, at the professional level and and at the big league level, it's it's all about winning and and production and being consistent, and you know, that's the biggest thing that I pride myself on is is being a consistent reliever all my life and and my whole career, and and then you know ultimately being inducted to the Hall of Fame is something I can't even comprehend my career, Jimmy, much less the induction into the Hall of Fame. I I really, it's very, it's overwhelming. Uh, people ask me what it's like. I said, you know, it's just overwhelming that, uh, first of all, I had that kind of career. Uh, after just wanting to put a uniform on, I know how you feel too, Jimmy. Right. Um, you know, we just wanted to put a big league uniform on one time to see what that felt like and, you know, mine went on to be 22 years. You had a great career, Jimmy, and got some key hits. And that's the name of the game, producing when the game is on the line and, and putting the game in perspective. You know, I always thought, you know, thinking back to Vietnam and, and the war and, and now in Iraq, that would, you know, in Afghanistan, um, you know, you put things into perspective. I'm not being shot at. But this is a silly game that I started out playing for the fun of it and the love of it when I was – eight years old, and I can honestly say, Jimmy, when I retired or when I got out of the game, I really never retired. I just kind of faded into the sunset, Jimmy. And, and uh, you know, I can honestly say that I kept that perspective about the game, that it was a game that I enjoyed, that I started out enjoying playing when I was eight years old, and I can honestly say that I ended up playing it for the love and the fun of it, um, you know, in 1994 when, uh, I, Seattle was my last team, and and uh, I pitched three innings the night before, and then we went on strike. You know, consequently, incidentally, Jimmy, um, my career, which is really something, I don't know if any other player can say this, started out on the first strike or work stoppage, which was a strike at that time in 1972, and my career ended on the last strike in 1994, and I don't think anyone. I don't know that anyone else, any other player can say that. And my career spanned all eight work stoppages, whether it be a strike or a, or a lockout by the owners. And it's an unfortunate thing. And, uh, the strike got me in 94. I wanted to still continue to play. But, uh, when we came back after that strike, if you remember, Jimmy, uh, there wasn't really enough time. Uh, we had a couple of weeks to get guys had a couple of weeks to get ready for the season. And, you know, I just, that's what I said. I just kind of faded into the sunset and guys who were on the bubble that would be invited to camp as a, as a try to make a club as a non-roster player. Um, you didn't have that luxury of the innings to be pitched, uh, where they could, uh, let guys, they had to get who they thought was going to be on that opening day roster and then start the season. So, you know, Hey, all good things must come to an end. And, and uh, it was quite a ride. You know, Jimmy, I always say, you know, it was like uh, uh, getting being a 10-year-old kid going to Disney World for the first time and, and waiting in a, in a line for a couple hours to get on your favorite ride, and then it lasts two minutes. Uh, mine was like getting on the best ride at Disneyland and not getting off for 22 years. So uh, it, was, it was quite a run. I still can't uh, comprehend uh, what I did and the fun and the 
you know, the camaraderie that we have. I think that's the biggest thing. People ask me all the time, Goose, what do you miss the most? First of all, the competition. You know, nothing will ever replace me facing that hitter or you facing that 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 pitcher out there, you know. And right. uh, then the camaraderie is the biggest thing that I miss. But, you know, fantasy camps like this are, are something that, hey, it's always fun to get with you guys and, and hang out and, and the campers and see these guys like little kids out there, act like little kids. Um, you know, the game keeps you young, and, and uh, we never grow up, Jimmy. No, exactly. Well, talk about little kids. I, I, I read something in your thing that we talked about. You live in Colorado Springs, and there is a, in 1995, they adopted a Goose Gossage sports complex. Tell me a little bit about what you do with, with, with that situation. Yeah, well, Jimmy, you know, we, we didn't have any fields for the kids to play. I mean, they were very scarce. And with the growth of Colorado Springs, they didn't accommodate, uh, you know, baseball. You know, uh, soccer, you can throw down cones and on any, you know, even in a parking lot, you can practice soccer uh, in, in any grass area. Uh, you can throw down cones. But baseball, you need specific uh, a field to play, you know, dirt and and you just can't go to a park and throw down bases and and uh, practice the game the way it's supposed to be practiced. And we we started this uh, ball rolling. Uh, me and an, an an elderly guy, a friend of mine, uh, we thought, man, we've got to build a comp. We got to build a field. We took some seed money from uh, youth baseball that had been uh, accumulated over probably ten or fifteen years. A hundred thousand of that. We bought. Uh, we ended up buying. We were going to build one field. We ended up getting the ball rolling on this thing. It, it ended up being a 54-acre site, and we built nine baseball fields and eight soccer fields, and it was the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life. I'm still, you know, in shock over the, the work that it took over uh, six or seven years uh, to get this complex built, but it really turned out to be a fantastic uh uh, El Pomar Foundation, who is a big foundation in Colorado Springs, um, you know they 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 paid the lion's share of that. Uh, I think it ended up being somewhere in the six uh, to seven million dollar range. Uh, they stepped up to the plate after we got the ball rolling and and built this vision, and and they jumped on board and and we got this thing built, and it is a spectacular. Um, you go down there any time of the year. And there are kids playing at these fields, and you know, hey, it doesn't get any better than that. And uh, it really helped out Colorado Springs, my hometown. And and uh, boy, those are those are some spectacular. It's a spectacular complex, and it's so rewarding to see all these kids uh, participating in either soccer or, or or baseball. We've got basketball. We've got a skate park down there, and. Um, you know, just all kinds of things for the kids. So it worked out. It worked out great, and being a part of that, I'm very proud of. Okay, tell me a little bit. We'll close with this. What are you doing now? What What are some of the things that you've been doing? And is there anything that you're that's coming up that you want to talk about or let us know about? Yeah, no, I've I've got a card show in in New Jersey uh, this weekend, uh, and uh, I do appearances, uh, personal appearances for different companies. Uh, a lot of stuff which is in, in the New York area. Um, you know, Bank of America, I do some stuff with them. I do, I've probably done every, you know, uh, fundraising or, or charity work for 
just about every charity under the you know under the planet or on the planet and uh um you know it's very rewarding i get to meet a lot of great fans and and uh, earn a little money at the same time and and um you know raise some money for some great charities and some great causes and uh so I'm having fun. I, I live up in Colorado. I do a lot of fly fishing. I do a lot of golfing. Um, you know, the summer times up there in the Rockies are, are spectacular. And, you know, we've already had a couple of, of pretty good snowstorms already. And, uh, it's very early for that. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying my life right now, Jimmy. I, uh, I love working with the kids and at any chance that I get, uh, um, you know, I just haven't gotten back into the game because of the grind. I don't think anybody, the fans really don't realize a 162-game schedule, what a grind that is. And I just didn't want to get back into that grind, and I'm enjoying my personal life away from the game. I did it for 25 years professionally, and now I think it's time just for me to chill out and and uh, enjoy Colorado and enjoy what I'm doing up there. I do a lot of fly fishing, which is... uh uh, you know, uh, uh, a passion of mine, and as well as uh, knocking that little white ball around, and uh, <laughs> you know, just just having fun. So uh, I'm looking to, looking forward to doing a little more of that, and and maybe a few more fantasy camps here and there, and just having fun, Jimmy. Well, that's awesome, Chris. Well, I listen, I appreciate you joining joining me for a little bit and uh, sharing some of your stories. Uh, and it's like I said, it's always great to see you. I'm looking forward to. We've got a couple more of these camps, hopefully in January, possibly. So, uh, thank you. I like I said, appreciate you joining me, and uh, I hope you have a great trip back. You bet, Jimmy. My pleasure being on your show, buddy. All right, Goose. Have a good day. Uh, you too. All right, that was Goose Gossage, and uh, live from, of course, Vero Beach Fantasy Camp between the Dodgers and the Yankees. And coming up next in just a second, we are going to have Jerry Royce. Jerry's going to talk a little bit about his experience with this camp, what's going on in his life, and, of course, a new book that he is going to be coming out soon. So uh, Jerry will join us in just a minute when we come back. I'll talk to you soon. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Jim Lahrens is a two-time World Series champion, motivational speaker, and author of Catching Heat, a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball. Most people know Jim as a man who has always beaten the odds. Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power, one can overcome anything. Visit JimLayritz.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is JimLayritz.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. 
your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Layritz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jimlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back once again. Like I said before, we are in Vero Beach, Florida. We had the Yankee Dodgers fantasy camp, and of course, that was just Goose Gossett that we had on. Talk a little bit about his career, talk a little bit about the fantasy camp and what's going on. And uh, unfortunately, I don't have the technology here where I can be putting a couple guys on at once because I believe my next guest, Jerry Royce, and they would have uh, had quite a quite a conversation. We might have a few bleep a few things, but at the same time, uh, these two guys have been such great baseball people and, and, and great competitors against each other. Uh, we could have had some fun, but. Uh, Unfortunately, we can't do that, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully somewhere down the line we can do some things like that. But right now, I'd like to uh, to welcome in, of course, my next guest, and that is Jerry Royce. Jerry, you there? Oh, yes, I'm here. Listen, you would have had to bleep out half the conversation between <laughs> Goose and me. <laughs> and that's just so well, you take away half of our vocabulary if we can't cuss at each other. That, I mean, that's it. And that, you know, like I said, it, it would have been great because, like I said, just the, the, the guys, the things that you guys have shared, and the competition that you guys have had against each other and, and played against each other. It's always, it's always fun to hear uh, those, those what we call those good old war stories. But uh, oh, well, yeah, really war stories. But I'll tell you this: everything after hello is probably going to be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but well, that's it. That's it. Well, so tell me a little bit about your experience right now. You know, this is the first year that we've done a Yankee Dodger camp together. Of course, we're in Vero Beach. Uh, we have about 80, 90 guys here, and uh, it's the first time we've combined the two camps. Tell me a little bit about what you've enjoyed this camp uh, compared to some of the ones we've done in the past. Well, just a little bit of background. I've been doing Dodger fantasy camps, I guess, for about past 15 years. Not every year, but on and off for 15 years. This is 15, maybe 16 camps for me. Uh, each have a different complexion, and that's based on the players and also the coaches that show up. It seems to take on a separate personality from the preceding camp. And this camp, of course, is no different, but the biggest thing was, well, the 800-pound elephant in the room, and that is <laughs> mixing players uh, and who are actually fans of both the Dodgers and the Yankees in one clubhouse. And I have to say this, there hasn't been one fight. What's this yeah. all about, Jim? <laughs> it's it's the new age of baseball where we players don't fight amongst each other anymore. Because you well, know, maybe what's year, happened is well, well, maybe I, I feel very really difficult that, because there's one Dodger camper that was a a fantasy camper of ours last year. So I almost feel like we're we're, we're staying with baseball tradition here. Well, maybe so. Maybe what it is is that both, all of the players have the same agent. <laughs> so when they come down here, you know, they're already buddies and uh, they just put on their separate uniforms and go about their business, much like the major league players of today. Oh, Jerry, we were talking, when I was talking to Goose before, we were talking about the fantasy camps and just how much, you know, as, as players, sometimes we don't get to see each other on an everyday basis because we all live in different cities or different states. 
and just tell me a little bit about your experience being able to come back here and, and seeing some former teammates that you don't normally see on an everyday basis. And of course, in this particular camp, seeing some of the Yankee guys that maybe you, you were friends with or you, or you competed against. You know, it's been 21 years since I played professionally, and I don't really have a lot of regrets. Some of the things that I wish I could have done and still competed was to make friends with guys on other ball clubs because I'm finding out, well, some 20 years after the fact, that there's some pretty good guys out there, guys who played with other clubs. And to do this fantasy camp with the Yankee players, for years I was in the National League, 18 of my 22 years, so I never really got a chance to know the best of the best of the guys who played in the American League. And it's something that I missed, but unfortunately, that's what I had to do in order to compete. I couldn't be friends with the opposition because I might have to bust them inside one time just to get an advantage or at least a perceived advantage. Right. Well, that's, you know, that's, and that's one of the things I think has changed the game a little bit, too, like we talk about is, is, is now that they have the interleague and everything else, these guys, they all get to see each other, play against each other, compete against each other, and... I, I don't know. I, I I have kind of mixed emotions about it. I, I kind of liked it in the beginning, but I think it's really taken away from what the World Series is all about. How do you feel about that? Well, yes, it has taken a little bit away, but uh, with the umpires working in both leagues, with um, the, the major markets ha- uh, wanting to have these games, you've got the Angels and the Dodgers in L.A., the White Sox and the Cubs in Chicago, and the Mets and the Yankees in New York, uh, these are things that the fans dream about. This is the kind of fuel that drives the engine that answers the questions that everybody's always wanted to know. Who's best this year? In New York, is it the Yankees and the Mets? In Los Angeles, the Angels or the Dodgers? So, yes, it is. I think it's good from that point of view. Now, from the players' point of view and the coaches' point of view, because you only play these teams a handful of times, uh, you know, you have to really study these teams for these games because they count. And can you imagine not doing your homework for an interleague game because you just kind of blow it off, and at the end you lose by a game or two, and that becomes the difference between making the postseason or going home. Yeah, yeah, that could be some major major problems. But, you know, watching this year's World Series, you know, we, we, we watch and we saw a hometown hero become – you know, become the World Series uh, MVP. And looking through your bio and reading your thing, I noticed that you were born in Missouri and you made your debut for the St. Louis Cardinals. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I grew up in suburban St. Louis, a town called Overland, and it's about 15 miles by highway to the old Bush Stadium, or at least where the spot where Bush Stadium existed. So for me, I was pretty much geographically in my own backyard. Now, imagine growing up in St. Louis, a Cardinals fan, and I followed it as religiously as anybody could during those formative years. I went to ball games during the summer. I collected baseball cards. I listened to Jack Buck, Harry Carey, Joe Garagiola on the radio. I knew everything there was to know about Cardinal players. Well, fast forward a bit, and I was drafted by the Cardinals when I was 17 years old, signed a few weeks later. And within the space of two, maybe two and a half years, I'm sitting on the bench with the guys that I had been talking about, thinking about, hearing about on the radio. 
And it was, for me, Jim, just like my baseball card collection, coming alive. Yeah, it's awesome. And, of course, tell me a little bit about coming alive when you talk about just, you know, we play this game, we enjoy the competition, we enjoy the thing, but the one goal that we all have is to win that championship. And 1981, of course, you and the Yankees squared off head-to-head, and uh, the Yankees win the first two games, and then you guys come back and win the next four. Tell me a little bit about the feeling the Dodgers had back then and, and, what, and what that was like uh, to, to win that World Series. Well, we'll back up just a bit so I can give you a bit of a background. But growing up in the 50s and in the 60s, of course, with Major League's blackout, baseball's blackout rule, I never got a chance to see ball game other than the Cardinals. And back in those days, they, tele- they televised maybe 12 or 15 games. So never really got to see the other league play except for the All-Star game and in the World Series. And if it wasn't the Cardinals those couple of years being in the World Series or the Pirates or maybe even the Braves, it seemed that it was the Dodgers and the Yankees. And it was as if watching those games, I dreamed. I dreamed like everybody else. Please, Lord, let me be either a Dodger or a Yankee and play in a World Series. Well, maybe one of those dreams, those prayers were heard because I got a chance to play in the only World Series the last World Series between the Dodgers and the Yankees. So I had that going for me, those memories as a kid entering into my body and mind when I'm 31 years old. So all of that excitement had built up to that point. Now, you want to know about the first two games? Boy, the Yankees came out. They came gunning. Nettles was still Nettles making those great plays that everybody saw in the late 70s the last time those two teams met. And for me, I pitched the first game against Ron Guidry. Of course, Ron had already known what it's like to pitch in a World Series in New York. Me, I hadn't witnessed anything like Yankee Stadium. In fact, the first time that I had stepped on the field at Yankee Stadium was before Game 1 of the World Series. So it can be just a bit intimidating. And the Yankees were all they were billed to be because they came out scoring three runs in the first inning. They put a few more runs on the board later in the ball game, and it seemed pretty easy for Guidry and Gossage to win that first ball game. Then when Hooten and Tommy John went up against each other, well, the Yankees still had some of that magic, and before the dust had settled, the Yankees were ahead in the series two games to none. And then, of course, you guys faced the big comeback and uh, ended up winning that World Series that year, so that's and, you know, to have that championship, to win that, you know, and, and, and to win against the Yankees, just tell me, tell me a little bit. Well, I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about your feelings, then, but then we're also going to talk about, you know, we, we talk about all the great stories that we have during our career and all the things that we share. And you know, you read some books, and some stories come out. There's the nice stories, and then you know, the nice things that go on. But you have a book coming out that I really want to talk about this night after after this break. Uh, and some of the stories that are involved in that called Bring in the Right Hand. And uh, we will talk about that in just a minute when we come back, all right? Okay. Your internet flagship station for sports... 
Jim Lahrens is a two-time World Series champion, motivational speaker, and author of Catching Heat, a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball. Most people know Jim as a man who has always beaten the odds. Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power, one can overcome anything. Visit JimLayritz.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is JimLayritz.com. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports you're inside the king's corner talking baseball with jim layritz it's time to hear from you Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at gemlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back, everyone. And, of course, uh, we're, we're putting the emails and the phone calls on a little hold today because we... Uh, we have two interesting guests that we don't want to take any time away from. And, of course, we've been talking with Jerry Rice. And, Jerry, finish your thought about the 1981 championship. And, of course, after those first two games, the comeback the Dodgers were able to stage. Well, after losing the two games in New York, uh, guys were subdued on the plane ride back to Los Angeles. Nobody wanted to lose four in a row. But there was a historical perspective already in place because when the Yankees and the Dodgers faced each other in 1978, it was the Dodgers that won the first two games, and then the Yankees won four in a row to take the world championship. So with that in mind, we went into game one. That was Fernando pitching that ball game against Dave Rigetti. Fernando struggled the entire ball game, but was tough when he needed to be, and we got ourselves on the board winning that ball game by a score of 5-4. to four. The Saturday afternoon game was a game that was, boy, was that up and down. The Yankees had the lead. The Dodgers had the lead. Uh, Reggie dropped the fly ball in right field. Jay Johnstone hit a pinch home run. And it wasn't over until Yogi said it was actually over because it (laughs) ended with Willie Randolph driving Daryl Thomas to the warning track and with a hand up on the wall was able to snag a fly ball for the final out and that tied the series at two games each. And then it was Ron Guidry and myself matched up in game five. This was really the pivotal game as far as I was concerned. And I'll be the first to admit it, and I'll do it on your show, Jim. You got this exclusive. I was okay. outpitched in that ball game. I was. Really? At one point, going into the seventh inning with one man out, had retired 15 of the preceding 16 batters. He threw one hanging breaking ball to Guerrero, hit it for a home run, and that tied the ball game at one. Four pitches later, he tried to throw a fastball by Steve Yeager, which is the equivalent to sneaking a piece of meat past a hungry lion. And Yeager <laughs> hit it for a home run, and I was able to hold on. So Gidry won the first seven, actually the first six innings, and I was able to hold on and win the last three innings. 
and that gave us a three to two games lead going back to New York. Well, in that ball game, Say was being by Goose, and he was going to be questionable for the rest of this series. But because there was a rain out, Ronnie was able to come back, and I think that was an inspiration for our entire ball club. Now this time we went back to Yankee Stadium, and we busted out of the gates and eventually went on to win that ball game 9-2, to getting our World Championship. And for me, it was the only time that I played in the World Series. So uh, going, to the, going to the clubhouse one-for-one one in World Series play in my entire career, I'd have to say winning Game 5 of the World Series was the biggest thrill of my baseball career. That's awesome. That's awesome, Ron. Of course, that career, you retired in 1990 at age 41. And one of the things I found interesting was, you know, the, when you, you were one of the few players who had 200 wins who never had a 20-win season. And uh, I thought that was an interesting stat, that, that you were able to compile that many wins uh, without having a 20-win season. So I thought that was, you know, some, something that was you know, good in Jim, you know what that is? It's, if you play for a long time, a lot of strange things are going to happen. Some are going to be good. Some are going to be bad. I consider those one of my asterisks. Who would, and I'm also, it's an answer to a trivia question that occasionally gets answered. I'm one of three, maybe four guys who have done that very same thing. So if you play long enough, sometimes some good things are going to happen to you. Other times, well, you're on the receiving end. You know what that's all about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I tell, I tell you what, Jared, you, have, you did some TV, TV and radio after you, after you retired, but now you have a book that's getting ready to be coming out for publication. And uh, Tell me a little bit about the book. We talked a little bit. You told me some of the stories yesterday and some really good ones. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you've done and what you put into print or, and, are, and are going to be releasing hopefully soon. Well, for years I had thought about doing a book, but I never had the right person say the right thing at the right time to push me into doing it. And it began with a phone call from Marty Noble, who works for MLB.com. He was doing an article on one of the strangest offbeat things I'd ever heard of, and that was uh, major league players wearing three digits on a uniform. (laughs) I guess they had a conversation the night before, a number of sports writers, and figuring that the Yankees are retiring uniforms at the rate they are, it would be just a matter of time before they have to introduce three-digit uniforms. So he asked me, would I wear a three-digit uniform? And I said, absolutely. And he said, well, what numbers would you wear? And I said, 619. He goes, 619? What's that got to do with anything? I said, Marty, that's my birth date. And every time I walked on the field with 619, everybody on TV, on radio, and in the ballpark would know when to send the cards, the letters, the money, and the presents. I figured I have made. That's great. So anyway, That's Marty, Marty asked me about a story about visiting Lou Pinella and playing a joke on him uh, when the Dodgers happened to be in Chicago and the Yankees were playing the White Sox that night. And so I straightened him out on the story. He laughed and he said, well, you know, you better write that down because that's too good to pass up. So I did. I wrote it down and I asked my wife to read it. And about two minutes later, I could hear her laughing downstairs because I emailed it to her. She came upstairs and said, do you have any more of these? And I said, I think I can crank one out for you. I wrote another story. She says, that's just as good as the first. She said, you know, you might want to consider spending some time on this. And that's how I got started. 
right, and so now you put together these stories, and you're and you're getting ready to put them in publication. Tell us how much longer how much longer do we have to wait for all these stories? Well, I don't know what how these things go. Uh, I wrote the book pretty much myself, and it's not going to be perfect English, and it's not going to be done uh, the way that professional writers do it. And I'm sure that whoever decides to publish it will want to have a, a, an editor come in and make some corrections. I hope they do, but I still want to maintain the flavor of the book. What I hope to do is to take the reader with me on one of the strangest and one of the most fun journeys that anybody could ever have. In the, in the text, I've talked about from the time I was a kid going to my first Major League Baseball game, uh, all the way through signing and then going through the minor leagues, and then the ups, the downs, the trades, the releases, the rehirings, all the way through the All-Star Games and also through the World Series, and then all the way to the end of my career. I don't know how many pages it's going to be, but we're talking about close to 90,000 words. So it's going to be something that will take a little time. There's going to be some good times. There's going to be some tough times. But whoever gets the book, whoever buys the book, is going to take an amazing journey. Yeah, no, I, believe me, it's some of the, that's one of the things that I've always loved about this game of baseball that we have is the stories that we're able to share you know, and, and, and tell people and, and just the things that people are like, wow, that really goes on and that really happened and you know, I didn't hear it that way. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great thing. So once again, give me the name of the book. I call it, at least the working title right now is Bring in the Right-Hander. Jim, I think I had about 130 complete games and pitching and relief, I probably finished well, maybe another 20, 30 games. So out of about 650 appearances in the major leagues, 150 of them I finished. That leaves 500 times that I heard a manager say, bring in the right-hander. So that's what our title is, bring in the right-hander. Well, I look forward to, to, to getting that book because, uh, of course, I, I had a couple conversations with you about some of the stories. And believe me, if, if anybody's out there and they want to, have a good read and a couple good laughs. And, of course, the story you told me with the Lupinella, I can't wait to people start reading that one. That's that's going to have a lot of people laughing. But, uh, Terry, look, I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you, you going on here. And, of course, I uh, wish you the best of luck with the book. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Well, Jim, I look forward to it. Also, I look forward to reading your book. Want to give your book a plug? or Well, you well, can no, do I that anytime. Yeah, I just gave you a copy of my Catching Heat. Uh, yeah, there you that, go. Came, that came out in June, and uh, yeah, no, I look forward to you uh, enjoying that read also. So, uh, well, I look forward to it. I'll get your email address and I'll take a look at it. And who knows? I, if I find something in there I like, I may add it to my book. You never know. But I'll give you go. credit for it. There you go. All right, Jerry. Well, I appreciate you joining me, and uh, I'll just see you in a few minutes in the locker room. <laughs> you bet. We got a big game. Yes, we have a big game going on right here at the Fantasy Camp. The first time ever Dodger All-Star players of Fantasy Camp caliber are playing Yankee All-Star players, and it's going to begin in, well, within an hour. So everybody who's been a part of this camp is going to hurry over to Holman Stadium where this game's going to be held. And for the first time ever, Dodgers, Yankees, again, matched up in a game with some significance. That's it, man. That's it. Well, I'll see you over there in just a few minutes then, Jim. All right? Thank you so much. All right, Jim. You betcha. All right. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think this show, if obviously if you are a historian of baseball, if you like 
the history of baseball. The two guys I just had on, of course, Deuce Gossage and Jerry Royce, are, are two characters, number one of the game, but also two guys who've had such amazing careers. Surprisingly, both 22 years each, uh, and, and just had that experience. And I hope you enjoyed their stories. I hope you enjoy uh, talking a little bit about what we're doing here at the Fantasy Camps. And uh, join me again next week. Uh, of course, I will be back home in California. And uh, next week we will have the end of the GM owners' meetings. And I'm sure there will be a little bit more stuff going on in baseball that we'll have to talk about as far as the, the upcoming uh, December 5th, December 8th uh, winter meeting. So thank you so much for joining me. And next week we will be taking your emails and your phone calls. So tune in, and we will talk to you then. We're safe for another week. Thanks for tuning in to the King's Corner, talking baseball with your host, Jim Leyritz. We can't wait to have you come back next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great weekend. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel.